First of all, I just want you to know that I um, I thank the Lord that He has given me a calling to be able to share His Word, and I um, I do I do appreciate Him so much, and I appreciated uh, Terry's passion for what he was sharing this morning. You know, I I get it. You know, we should all get that. So, um, but I also want to thank you as a congregation that you have entrusted me to be able to be your minister. And I just want you to know that I love being your minister. I love being here with you, um, sharing in the the gospel. And just, I, I do appreciate you. And I want you to know that Anytime you ever need me, you know where you can get me. My phone number's on the bulletin every every Lord's Day, so if you need me, I'm I'm here. But I just wanted you to know that um, that I do appreciate you. And the other thing, you know, I I had planned out my series of messages, and today I was supposed to start a series of messages on the Book of Revelation. And I'm going to do the seven churches of Revelation. But as I started looking down through the calendar, I noticed that there was <clears throat> Memorial Day weekend. And I, I want to share a Memorial Day message. Then I noticed we have Father's Day coming up here in June. And then Sarah and I will be going to Texas, hopefully sometime at, towards the end of June, to see our son. And then we have the 4th of July. So I said, okay, what I had planned... Didn't, isn't going to work. So I changed my plans. And so I decided that today I would talk about plans. <laughs> All planned out. Because, because mine obviously wasn't going to work. And so starting, um, I think it's July the 9th, um, through July and August, I'm going to preach a series of messages, like eight messages on the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. There's a lot to really learn from that. And I've already finished the first sermon on that. So, it's it's pretty interesting to say the least. So, but I just wanted to um, let you guys know that um, A. W. Tozer he wrote this. He said, "What are you planning to do in your life or ministry that only God can do? What is it that you're planning to do that only God can do?" Here's what A. W. Tozer said. He said, "God is looking for those with whom He can do the impossible." What a pity that we plan only the things that we can do by ourselves. Isn't that the truth? I like A.W. Tozer. You know, another saying here is uh, the, the wiser man shapes into God's plan as water shapes into a vessel. And um, <clears throat> as I was looking and I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you this morning, I found this and I wanted to share with you this. Years ago, it was a, a small town in Maine was proposed for the site of this, I guess it was a hydroelectric plant. And since the dam could be built across the river, the entire town would have to be submerged. I don't know if you know of any places around Pennsylvania that they've done that. Up in Howard, Pennsylvania, they did that. They took a whole town and they submerged it and there's a huge lake there now. I mean, it's, it's huge. And that's what they were going to do with this place here. The entire town would have to be submerged. 
when, when the project was announced, the people were given many months to arrange their affairs and, and to relocate. But it was during this time before the dam was built, an interesting thing happened to this town. All improvements ceased. No painting was done. No repairs were made on the buildings. No repairs were made on the roads or the sidewalks. Day by day, the whole town got shabbier and shabbier. Well, it's going to be submerged in a little while, so that's probably why. A long time before the waters came, the town looked uncared for and abandoned. Even though the people had not yet moved away, one citizen complained. He said, where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. What a saying. Where there is no faith in the future, there is no power for the present. The town was cursed with hopelessness because it had no future. And you know, some, some of our lives are cursed with no hope for the future. And what I'm thinking is maybe we let God into some parts of our heart, but there's some parts of our heart that we don't allow God to invade. wonder why. You know, those parts that are already neat and in order. But you know what? God wants to invade your whole heart. That's what he wants. I like what Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22 says. This is taken from the Message Bible. <clears throat> it says, Reduce good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. You know... I don't know if you heard about the photographer. He worked for a national magazine and he was assigned to get photos of this great forest fire. And so he had to hurry to the airport where the plane was waiting for him. When he arrived at the airport, the plane was warming up near the runway. And so he jumped with his equipment. He jumped into the airplane and he said, let's get, let's go, let's go. He, he yelled it like two or three times to the pilot. So the pilot swung the plane into the wind and they were soon up in the air. And so he yells to the pilot, he says, fly over the north side of the fire. And so I want you to make three or four low-level passes. And the, and the pilot asks him, why do you want me to do that? And, the, and, and he says, because I need to take some pictures. I'm, I'm a photographer, and photographers take pictures. There was a pause. And the pilot turned around and said, you mean to tell me you're not the flight instructor? <laughs> There would be there would be a rude awakening, wouldn't there? <laughs> you know what? Sometimes life doesn't always go according to plan, does it? It just doesn't, man. You know, that makes me mad sometimes. It just doesn't go according to plan. The old saying, I think, is true. And I toyed with what how I wanted to entitle this message. I said all planned out, but my second my second title to this message is this. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, plans are funny things sometimes. Most of the time, when we make them, we aren't really the ones who control their outcomes. You know, and, that, and I think about that with my situation all the time. Sure, we can do our best to try to make them happen, but so much of our world and our lives... Are, are dictated by things that are out of our control. 
We just can't control everything, even though we would like to. We all encounter things that in life that just aren't supposed to happen. They're just not supposed to happen. Things that weren't planned out. That's not in my plans. That shouldn't have happened. That wasn't supposed to happen. You know, you get a flat tire on the way to work. You know, your in-laws show up unannounced. That scene in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is the perfect example of that. When the in-laws come and you hear that doorbell, ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> it just keeps going down. And then they're all at the door. And it's like, it, you know, it's just when the in-laws come unannounced, we didn't plan that out. When your teenage daughter comes and tells you that she's pregnant. When the doctor calls you and tells you the worst possible news that you didn't want to hear. You know, maybe the divorce papers just came in the mail. You know, just when you think that you've got life figured out, something happens that throws this monkey wrench right into the mix of it all. And, and it just messes your plans all to pieces. You know, so whether it's consequence of something that we've done or simply circumstances that are out of our control, suddenly plans change and, and sometimes, sometimes they just absolutely, totally disappear. I hate that. I don't like that. But it's not up to me. But I will tell you one thing that I do like. There is a promise, a single promise in God's word that can meet every surprise or sudden change of plans head on. And and given enough time, it can resolve every problem. It's an ironclad, unfailing, all-encompassing, God-given guarantee that Every single circumstance of life will sooner or later turn out well for God's people. And if I could tell you that, wouldn't you want to hear something about that? Wouldn't that be exciting to be able to know that that your plans will ultimately work out? So buried in the Old Testament book of, of Jeremiah, there's this one favorite passage. It's one of my favorite passages of all the scripture. And I'm like Tina, I got a lot of favorites. But this is definitely one of those favorite passages. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. From the New American Standard, this is what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what God has planned for us. This is one of those verses that makes it onto many encouragement cards. It also is hung on, on the wall in, in pictures. It's framed on pictures. And I've used this, you know, it's in graduation cards. And I've used this at baccalaureate service that I've preached at before. I've used that passage of scripture. It's a very encouraging one. And it is a favorite verse of many. And is a verse that's so full of hope that we cling to it like we would the love of a good friend. That's how we cling to it. So like a precious jewel, this promise, I will say it's multifaceted, reflecting the many colors of God's grace and sovereignty. That's what it does. It's it's so good. So what I want to do this morning, 
I want to highlight three facets of this promise and what they mean to those of us who cling to it. How many of you cling to God's word like that? Yeah. We cling to it. First and foremost, the first facet I'm going to say, I'm going to share with you this morning is this, is it's God's plan. It says the first facet of, of the promise, it's all about God's plan. It's all about God's plan. I want you to notice the emphasis, the emphasis here at the very beginning of this verse. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you. Our plans and God's plans are often two very different things, aren't they? They are. You know, the Bible is full of stories of people who experience change of plans. Okay, we, we have a change of plan here. You know, after the glorious exodus from, 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 from um, Egypt, the Israelites were supposed to walk into the promised land, the home that they had longed for. Well, you know what happened. You know, after 39 years of wandering in the wilderness, it was clear things weren't going as planned. What about a young Mary and Joseph? They were supposed to get married and start a, a, a family and lead normal lives. Then all of a sudden, the angel appears. He showed up with a mission from, from heaven, from above. And plans changed. Drastically, they changed. What about Lazarus? Lazarus was sp- supposed to be healed. After all, he was a close personal friend of Jesus's. He was. But after his sickness tur- took a turn for the worse, suddenly his family realizes plans changed because Lazarus died. So plans changed. And like them, we all have things that don't always work out the way they're supposed to. That wasn't supposed to happen. But we all do. You know, Sarah and I have often had plans fall through and not work out the way we wanted them to. But I got to tell you something, folks. We can't see the other side of those plans, but God can. And I've always watched what the other side of that's going to look like. And every single time... On the other side of that plan that Sarah and I had, something better always seemed to work out for us. And so we need to keep an eye on what's on the other side of that. Often, the reason life doesn't go according to plan is that God has other plans and His plans supersede our plans. They're superior to ours. You know, James knows all about that. In the New Testament, he writes to Christians scattered across the Roman Empire. And this is what he says. He says um, in verses 13 through 16, he says, Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? We all make those plans. But you know what? Maybe tomorrow won't even come. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans. 
and all such boasting is evil. Wow. I think James kind of hit it right there. My feet are, my toes are hurting. He did it right. You know, plans can be good, but when our whole life is shaped around our plans, suddenly we can become so focused on accomplishing them that we lose sight of God, period. We lose sight of God. Too often, our lives are dedicated to serving our own agendas, but see, as Christians, we are called to accomplish God's goals in our lives. We are called to accomplish them, not our goals. You know, when, when we live our lives trying to achieve expectations that, that we have determined, we put our plans over God's. And you know what our plans become? Our plans become idols. Can plans become idols? Yes, they can. They can become idols. Sometimes, sometimes when we pray, we expect God to say, well, Bob, you know, I never thought of it like that. We actually think that we're going to come up with a plan that impresses God. And the thing about our plans is they always change. But God never does. God, ne God never changes. And it's like, we think we're going to impress God with our plans? You know, no, 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 no. God already knows. There was this 11-year-old boy who wanted to pass out tracts with his father, his, his pastor dad, on a Sunday afternoon. And it was pouring down rain, so he told his son that he wasn't going to go out. But the boy asked his dad this. He says, aren't people still going to go to hell even though it's raining out? <laughs> that boy was, that boy, that, he, had some, he had some substance there. So this boy went out alone. His dad didn't go. He went out by himself. The next Sunday, this elderly lady stood up and she, she wanted to share with the congregation. Here's what she said. She said her husband had died about a week ago. And she felt like she couldn't go on without him. So she took a rope and she took a chair and she went up to the attic and she was going to kill herself. She put the rope around her neck. She got up onto the chair and then there was a knock at her door. And so she paused and she thought, well, they'll go away. No one ever comes to visit me anyway. But you see, the knocking didn't stop. This, this boy, he kept knocking, he kept knocking. Then, then he walked away. Then, then, then he came back and he started knocking again. And so she was so frustrated. She got down and she went and she opened the door and she found this drenched little boy with a tract saying that God loves me. She had read that tract and she had wanted to come to the church to let them know that this little boy who was drenched, brought the good news to her that someone actually loved her. You know, God has a plan even when our world is upside down. Dr. Richard Dobbins taught us this. He said, 
God already has a solution to your crisis. And he has already seen the other side of the trial. And he will take you there if you will allow him. The question is this. Will you let him? Will you let him? See, this is what happens when you follow God's plan. He sees the other side. He knows the other side. He's already been there. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. The Lord's purpose will prevail. You know, the best thing that we can do when looking to the future or when life doesn't go according to plans, it is to let God be God. You know, align your life with his plans. Where are his plans found? Where are his plans found? Where are his plans found? In his word. That's right. How did you know? That's right. We can find his plans in there. Instead of trying to fit God into our plans, we need to fit into his plans. And we find his plans by being in his word on a daily basis. You know, surrendering our plans to God, it's not an easy thing to do. It, it, it means learning to let go and accept that I'm not the only one in charge. How many of you have a hard time with that? You don't need to raise your hands. <laughs> You're a control freak. You know, you, you want to be in charge. Well, sometimes we can't. And sometimes we have to understand that I am not in control. And sure, we can all make plans about the future, but unless we seek God's will first and align our plans with His, more than likely our plans won't go according to plan. That's a lot of plans in there. So the first and foremost... This promise is about God's plan, not ours. The second thing I want to say is this. Furthermore, is that this. It's, it's the, the second facet of, of his promise is about God's people. It's about God's people. You know, equally important as who forms the, the plan is who the plan is for. Who is the plan for? Notice this promise again. From Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, from the NIV version, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Four times God says, I have plans for you. The question is this, who is the you that we're talking about in this passage of Scripture? Well, the answer is very simple. It's God's people. It's God's people. You know, the original context, the, these powerful words are part of a letter from the prophet Jeremiah to the Jews who had been exiled to Babylon. They had been exiled for a reason. You know, their beloved city, Jerusalem, had been destroyed and the people had been carted off away from there to this other land. Things could not have gotten much worse. Unfortunately, these were the consequences for their own sinful and selfish choices. 
These people were supposed to be God's people and they were doing everything against him. God's people, the kingdom of Judah, disowned him. That's what they did. They sacrificed their own children in the fire to another God. That's what they did, which seems like the most abhorrent sin that you could ever imagine. So I I totally agree with God's plan to clear the promised land of these despicable people who called themselves by his name, but they lived like pagans. They were immoral. They were unjust. They disobeyed God's direct commands. They killed his prophets. They killed their own children. They, they, they thought that they could get away with their sinful lifestyles without any consequences. And finally, after years of putting up with these, uh, this atrocious behavior of his people, God is ready to bring the hammer down. Absolutely. He just got sick and tired of it. He allowed the city to be conquered and its citizens to be captured. But guess what? He still had a plan for them because they were his people. He still had faith in them. He still wanted them to be his people. You know what? The same is true for us. Maybe you're in a mess of your own making right now. Maybe you've made a series of really stupid and selfish choices and now you're stuck living with the consequences. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it wasn't even your doing at all. Maybe your whole world fell apart through no fault of your own. And that happens. That does happen. But see, in either case, if the context of this passage teaches us anything, it's this. Listen to this. When things seem to be very worse, at their very worst, that they could ever be, I mean, absolutely at their worst that they could ever be, that's the exact moment when God says to you, I have a plan. I have a plan for you. I have a plan. And it's not just God's people on a whole that God has a plan for. It's each one of us individually. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for you, Ginger. O.C. for you as well. Betty, he has a plan for you. All of you guys. He has a plan for every single one of us here. You know, and so, and it's not just God's people. It's each one of us individually. Psalm 139, David recounts the fact that God created him on purpose. Did you know that? That God created you on purpose. In 139, verse 16, the New Living Translation, Psalm 139, verse 16, this is what it says. It says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Wow. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you something. What that means is this. First of all, it means that you are not an accident. You are not an accident. You're not a fluke of nature. Well, at least some of you aren't. (laughs) Or a byproduct of astronomical random chance in the universe. 
Long before you were conceived by your parents, you were conceived in the mind of God. God never does anything accidentally. He, he never makes mistakes. He has a reason for everything that he creates. Every plant, every animal was planned by God. Every person was designed with a purpose in mind. That's our God. You were made by God and for God. Until you understand that, your life is never going to make sense. And this world doesn't understand that because they don't understand who God is. But that's where we need to come in and share that with them. But you know what? It also means regardless of what you've got written on your calendar, did you know that God has an appointment book with your name on it? A schedule that He intends for you to keep? You know, uh, the wise young Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, anybody ever reread that comic strip? He said this once. He says, God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things. Right now, I'm so far behind that I'm never going to die. <laughs> you know, that's pretty funny. Well, I'd say he's half right. You know, God put you on this earth to accomplish certain things as part of his plan for you. For you. Every single one of us has plans. For, for God has plans for each one of us. Even when the world seems to be falling apart or you, you make a mess of things. And trust me, we all do. Sometimes we make a real mess of things. God has a unique plan for your life. And the best part of it is this. It's a really good plan. It really is. It is a great plan. And finally, this promise reveals the purpose behind God's plan. The third facet of this promise is all about God's purpose. You know, there, there are certain key words within the promise that highlights God's end game. You know, the purpose behind the plan. Um, I'm going to read from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 again. Um, this time, I'm going to do it from the New Living Translation. It says, For I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God's plotting for our good. He is plotting for our good. In all the setbacks, He is ordaining the best for our future. Every event of our day is designed to draw us towards our God and our destiny. Remember that these words were spoken. These words right here that we read this morning, these words were spoken to a displaced, defeated, depressed group of exiles. They were taken from their homeland and, and taken to Babylon. They had hung their harps you know, and I guess the, the, the Jewish people like to play harps, but they had hung their harps on the willow trees and they had lost their song. But with the Lord, things are never hopeless. God had a plan for the Israelites to return to Jerusalem, to rebuild their homes, to renew their covenant with Him. In the meantime, 
what they had to do was they had to hang in there and they had to cling to God's promise for them. I remember several years ago when I was youth minister at Newberry Church of Christ and I had taken a group of students, 15 of us all together, 10, 10 youth and 5 adults. We went on a mission trip to Arizona. Our travels were interesting. We traveled by vans to Philadelphia early, early, early in the morning. That was a long trip. Then we got on this airplane at the Philadelphia airport and we traveled by air to Denver. And we had to get off the airplane there and have a layover of a few hours in Denver. Then we got back on an airplane and we traveled to Phoenix, Arizona from Denver which took another couple hours, and then we landed in Phoenix, and I could hear the kids, not again. And in Phoenix, at the airport there, we had vans waiting for us, and they were going to drive us up to Flagstaff, which was like three or four hours away from Phoenix. And so we drove, which was 103 degrees in Phoenix, Arizona, and we drove up to Flagstaff, which was 70 degrees, so you had that, plus another three or four hours of driving. And then from there, in Flagstaff, we met the missionary, and we got on a school bus, and we drove from Flagstaff, Arizona, to Winslow, Arizona, which went from 70 degrees back to 103 degrees. Every time we got on another form of transportation, I could hear the kids complaining, and some of the adults. Not this again, not again, not again. We got to... Oh, another form of transfer. Here we go again. We were tired of traveling. But once we got to where we were going, it was so beautiful that words can't even hardly express. And so that night, that evening after supper, our first meeting we had, I led the devotions that night, and I asked the kids this. I said, Was it worth the trip once we got to where we were going? And every single one of those kids wholeheartedly said, yes, yes, it was. Let me tell you something, folks. Someday you're going to say the same thing. In the meantime, I want you to remember this. This is important. The journey is worth the destination. The journey is worth the destination. Amen? The New Testament reiterates this promise saying in Romans 8.28 from the New Living Translation, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. You are in the hands of the living and loving God. Your life is a crafted narrative written by a good and loving God working towards your supreme good. He's all for you. As a matter of fact, there's no one more important who who is on your side. He He is rooting you on than God. God is not making up a plan as as he goes along. He's not one of these fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants type of gods. He's just not. Nor did he wind up his 
his wristwatch and, and walk away and just leave you to go, whatever. That's not our God. God's purpose, his plan, and his promise is to work out the events of human history and your life in particular for the good, for the good, to give you hope and a future and an eternity with Jesus Christ. Is that exciting? We should all be standing and cheering him on because of that. We should be clapping our hands for Jesus Christ. Let's face it, bad things happen and they happen with unpredictable frequency and of varying levels of intensity. Some sometimes are mere inconveniences. That's what they are. Others can be extremely life-shattering disasters like this young man that, that Abby was talking about who passed away from a motorcycle wreck. That, how do you pick up the pieces from something like that? You can't. You can't do that unless you have that hope that Jesus can only bring. It's almost impossible, and I, I feel for people who don't have that hope. But no matter what happens, we can cling to the promise of Jeremiah 29 11 and trust in God's plans and God's purpose for God's people and for our lives. You know, immediately following this promise, however, God, God makes this really meaningful remark. Notice what Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 12 and 13 say, right after verse 11 there. This is what it says. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Ultimately, God's plan for our lives isn't about prosperity and everything being just wonderful. It just isn't. No, His plan is that we would seek Him. We would seek Him. And so I realize that God does have a plan for my life. And that, that alone gives me such great hope. But when the plan seems difficult, I'm reminded that his plan for me always revolves around my relationship with him. Do you have a relationship with him? Whatever is going on in my life, his ultimate plan is that I would seek him with all my heart that I would seek him with all my heart. And so that's the advice that I would give to you as well, that you would seek him with all of your heart. Seek him with all of your heart. When life doesn't go according to plan, and even when it does, seek God with all your heart and trust his plan for your life. Now, aren't you glad that I didn't preach that series in Revelation today? Because we needed to hear this. But God has a plan. And eventually you are going to hear those, those eight messages from the book of Revelation. But right now, I'm telling you, my greatest advice to you is that you would seek God with all your heart. Even when life doesn't go the way it's supposed to. 
Seek God with all your heart and trust His plan for your life. And if I can help in any way with that, know that my office and my door and and 24-7, if you need me, this morning we're going to stand and we're going to close our time together. And if you do not know the Lord Jesus, if you do not have that relationship with Him and you desire to have that relationship with Him, if you desire to have His plan for your life, then we give you the opportunity to come.